Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning, this is Ellie Weiss with Wild Eyes Foundation, and you're listening to Our Wild World. So today, uh, I thought I'd discuss a little bit about that um, it's not always an uphill challenge to conserve. So many people think it's difficult, that it's overwhelming um, between what our media is telling us and the scary factors out there and uh that it's getting a little depressing that uh, we're losing species, we're losing habitat. We just have a tendency to start feeling hopeless and that there's nothing we can do, especially when we're faced with such huge issues like climate change, overpopulation, impending extinctions, loss of forests, all these issues that are and challenges that are so much bigger than just us or one of us, the individual. So the goal of our show here is to help everyone understand how we can work together and address some of these issues and understand the information that's out there and wade through the misinformation that is um, the soundbite, the 30-second the soundbite that's out there on the news, the TV. Let's say a lot of us don't have time to really sit and read or even if we do have um, the ability to get into a, um, a good research alternative and start reading about some of these issues, what can we do? So um, a part of what's going on is as globalization expands, we are creating a planet that's geared more to us, but not one that's necessarily responsive to wilderness and wildlife. wildlife excuse me. As our human population increase, wildlife is forced into ever smaller uh, quarters and uh, dramatically multiplying the competition and the conflict over the limited resources, not only between wildlife to wildlife, but people to wildlife. Um, and when wildlife and people conflict, wildlife is usually not the winner. Winner. In Africa, this clash is happening at an unprecedented rate. Uh, so far to date, Africa has lost 80% of its wildlife and the numbers keep declining. 
You may be asking, well, what does that have to do with me here in either Colorado, California, New York, or um, New Mexico? We do have wildlife here. We have mountain lions that are coming back from being extirpated in the uh, early 1900s through 1960s uh, due to uh, livestock conflicts. We have black bears here in Colorado. Uh, California is having some more w- mountain lion issues coming down. Uh, so that re- does relate to us, and what we do with these conflicts and how we mitigate these conflicts is going to have an impact on our ecosystems and our resources. As I've been saying over the past couple of weeks, our wildlife is important. It does drive our ecosystem. We need it. It's an indicator of the health of our planet, and I'm sure uh, a lot of you have heard that term before, indicator species. Uh, or apex species and keystone species. Last week we talked about, or I think it was on our first week, we talked about what a keystone species is and that it has um, more of an impact compared to its biomass or its numbers that affects a greater number of species outside of itself or a greater ecosystem or habitat. Wolves are one such species. Um, Forests are indicator species, our our trees. uh, Deserts are indicators of what's going on in our planet. So we're hearing about deforestation and we're hearing about desertification. And that's not only happening in Africa, that's happening here. Let's take a look at the southwest, uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, uh, where we like to recreate a lot and ride our bikes out there, let's say Moab, which is one of the biking, off-road uh, mountain biking areas of the world, or even out here in Aspen, Colorado. We want to go into the backcountry and uh, enjoy and recreate in these habitats in these places, but what are we seeing out there? Are we seeing what's happening? Are we seeing what our Earth is telling us? Uh, besides just enjoying and, and having a great day out there on a gorgeous fall day or a beautiful summer day, are we paying attention to what is going on around and what our earth is telling us? Uh, our media has a tendency to um, scare us and uh, bring in thoughts of there's nothing we can do. Well, there's plenty we can do. Uh, we can look at, uh, let, let's talk about right here in the U.S., uh, which does affect what happens in Africa. Um, we'll take consumerism, packaging, labels, organics uh, as an example. Well, how does that make a difference? What does that mean to your life and what does it mean to the rest of the world? Well, as we decide to take a closer look at what we are putting into ourselves, what we are deciding to package and what we are deciding to put out into the world will have an effect on the resources that we're using. So if we go for less packaging, um, greener packaging, a little more eco-friendly resources, then that's working for our resources. That's working to protect our resources, not just here, not just in your community, not just in the United States, but it affects everywhere. Uh, and it does have an effect on what's going on in Africa. We can reorient and change our daily lifestyles uh, to a better way. And typically I avoid the word change. Nobody wants to change. It, it implies a lot of work. It, replies, it, it implies taking a lot of effort and doing 
something different, changing a habit. Uh, and it, it's not always that difficult. What you can do in the word I prefer is reorient. Start thinking a little more about how things connect. So when you go to the store and you buy that toothbrush and it's in the packaging, what are you going to be, what all is involved there? We've got a lot of cardboard, so we've used trees. We've got plastics, which use petroleum products. We've got um, the plastics of the toothbrush itself and the bristles. And I'm not sure if all of you have been um, keeping up on some of the things going out there, like the North American gyrie, which is out there in the uh, Pacific Ocean, which is a huge garbage spill. Uh, and it's not that it's been dumped there. It's been collecting from uh, water that washes through our planets, rivers, trees, uh, erodes soil, takes garbage with it. So when you're out there in the wild and you drop your plastic water bottle thinking it won't make a difference, it's just one bottle, uh, where's it going to go? Where's it going to end up? It's eventually going to end up in a waterway. It's going to end up in our uh, underground uh, sewer systems, our city sewer systems, a garbage, a landfill, a pit somewhere, or it's going to start breaking down out there in nature. Well, our plastics don't break down into invisibility. They break down into tiny little pieces called nurdles. Isn't that a fun word? Nurdles. And these nurdles end up in our uh, waterways and our streams and our mountain uh, uh, creeklets, or cricklets is what I grew up calling them in Wyoming. And that makes its way into our rivers. It makes its way into our food sources. It makes its way into our agriculture. And eventually it makes its way into our oceans. And it starts gathering out there in our oceans, like this North American gyrie, and starts spinning around where currents come together between warm waters and cold waters, and one ocean line meets another ocean line. And it starts spinning like a big old vortex. As it starts spinning, it starts breaking down the resources that are sitting in it. And those little nurdles start breaking down and make their way into our deep ocean systems. That means they're getting into fish. They're getting into the fish who eat the fish. And they fall all the way to the ocean floor. And that works its way back up into the ecosystem so that which we're fishing that's what which we're growing, that water that we are using to uh, recreate water systems on our planet, it's becoming full cycle and getting back into our ecosystems. So we need to think about what we're leaving behind, what we consume, and what we waste. Uh, we seem to have come to a very disposable society. So we can think about how much we want to dispose of, uh, not just our plug-and-play electronics, which seem to be built with planned obsolescence. So think about what you buy. Think about what you use, how you use it, and whether you really need it. Um, uh, we have a, a society here that is rather luxurious compared to, I'm going to say, the typical African village that I work in, where they have a hut and they have their basic uh, necessities that they need. We live in homes. Uh, here are our lives are basically built around the indoor lifestyle that we have inside our houses with all our things, our clothing, our TVs, our tennis shoes, our kitchenware, our consumables, um, our ovens, our coffee pots, all the things we keep plugged in using current all the time. Think about unplugging some of these items. Turn the electricity off. Turn your lights off. This all helps conserve our resources 
in Africa, typically um, there is very little electricity in the average village. They're using kerosene, and maybe that sounds romantic, but it's almost just as bad. It's an oil product. So how can we um, reduce the ill effects that kerosene has on a young child studying after school in the dark in a grass hut between taking care of livestock, the, the goats, pigs, sheep, cows? So there's solar. We can turn to alternative uh, ways of, of uh, enjoying our lives. So solar is not necessarily going to help on the mass scale in an urban area, although it is definitely coming up more and more these days. But a solar light, a single solar light, a uh, renewable uh, battery-operated light that could have credit uh, that you could pour from one light to another would make a huge difference in an African village. And uh, there is an organization out there called Elephant Energy, uh, started by a young man by the name of Doug Vilsack, that is doing just that. It's a little solar light that is uh, fits in the palm of your hand, has an eight-hour battery, and will last for five years. And you can top up the credit, and one person can go in there to the main area, fill up their solar light, and shake it out to their village. So this is a very, very cool part of technology and uh, a good use of technology that we're getting in there. So it looks, looks like we're going to be heading into a break here in a little bit. When I come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, what effect of uh, consumerism and loss of uh, overuse of consumption has on our habitats and the loss of our habitats and what we can do about that. Um, and what does habitat loss mean? What does it mean to you and what does it mean to me? So give us a call at one 800 866-472-5788. We'd love to hear from you or email us at wildeyes at wildeyes.org. W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot org. And we'll see you shortly right after the break. And we'll be talking about habitat and what you can do around your house and how that affects what I'm doing and what we can all do in Africa. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. 
If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Hey there, this is Ellie Weiss. We're back again. Right before the break, I was talking about um, what does habitat loss mean? We hear that term all the time. We hear it on the news. We hear it on the sound bites. We read it in the glossy annual reports of the conservation organizations that we're supporting. But what does it mean and what does it imply and what does it? Uh, what are the consequences of habitat loss? Uh, we feel here in our house, we've got plenty of habitat. We've got our house. We've got our backyard. We've got our city. We've got our urban area. So it doesn't look like we've lost anything. So when I talk about habitat loss, it's outside of our urban areas. It's outside of our human habitation. What are we doing to the rest of the world as we build and develop and remove our green spaces uh, for cities and urbanized areas and pave it over and concrete it over. Uh, it's doing a lot, actually. Uh, take a look at your average pavement. It's black. It absorbs heat and increases the temperature of a downtown urban area. On average, let's take a place like Phoenix, um, where it averages about 103 degrees this time of year. So that's reflecting on our pavement that's radiating back heat up to the buildings. So your average urban center can be anywhere from 10 to 30 degrees hotter than outside the city. Imagine what that's doing to our power sources and our water needs. As it gets hotter and hotter, we have to turn on the air conditioners to stay cool. Uh, we are using more water. We are watering our lawns with perfectly potable water. To an African, watering your lawn with perfectly potable water would be absurd, especially when women have to uh, walk uh, anywhere from 8 to 10 hours a day, carrying 50 liters of water on their head, which will water their livestock, their family, wash their dishes, and provide critical life support, drinking water, for a day or two. So think about that next time you turn on the tap and let it run or do laundry at a high energy point. So when we have these urban centers where millions of people are living, 400,000 people, a million, two million people are living, think of the pressure that that's putting on uh, our earth systems. We are taking resources from elsewhere, bringing them into one centralized place and using them deeply, strongly, and hard in one area, leaving not a lot for the outlying areas. So they're in... I'm going to talk about, let's say, our rivers here in Colorado. I live on the western slope and uh, by the Roaring Fork River. It's a natural spring-fed river that is also fed through uh, snowfall. 
So this river fall goes through and goes into the uh, Colorado River, which flows all the way eventually. I, I think it's into the Mississippi. Don't quote me on that. But as it makes its water course across the United States, it feeds the front slope, which is Denver, Boulder, uh, the plains of Colorado, eventually over to Nevada, Las Vegas. Think about that, all the fountains and water in uh, the ho- mega hotels over there, and eventually out to California. Think of the Lake Powell Dam if we're in a year of a drought not having enough water there to feed all the people who depend upon it l- further down the line. So how much water you do run in your tap does make a difference, and it does affect people down the line from you, just as the water coming out of your tap is affected by the people up the line from you. So how you decide to use your water, waste your water, conserve your water makes a big difference. In Africa, uh, people and wildlife is completely water dependent, and we're talking about a continent that doesn't receive, on average, uh, a lot of rainfall. And um, the high point of the continent is there at the equator, and it sort of flows north and it flows south. So when you think of deforestation, let's take Kenya of the uh, Mao Forest or of the Aberdares or of uh, Mount Kenya itself and those forests around there being deforested and removed, uh, we've got less rainfall because our trees create a weather system that uh, creates water. So we don't want to lose our trees because we're creating water from our trees. Uh, the trees also soak up carbon, uh, carbon sequestration. Uh, if we lose our trees, we're not able to soak as much carbon out of the atmosphere. Same as grasses. Uh, grasses and the ground cover, the skin of the earth, uh, is necessary to keep the system moving, to keep the ecosystem and the habitat functioning. When we have a huge rain and floods and it removes that topsoil, you can see that just about anywhere in Arizona or Utah with the arroyos and a flash flood that takes all the topsoil with it. So you're unable to grow, unable to reforest. So planting trees is critical. They uh, hold the system, the, excuse me, the soil systems in place and they create weather. And now let's look at livestock. We have livestock increasing all over the world, especially in Africa, as uh, Africans climb up on the economic ladder, uh, the way to uh, use that wealth is, and the way they consume is not so much uh, TV, Nike, because there's very little electricity, electricity, but they gain cattle. Cattle puts out waste, and that, uh, the methane gas from uh, the byproduct of cattle eating grass is high in CO2. So where are we going to do that? As Where are we going to put that? Uh, as if we lose our forests and we lose our soils so that they can't hold grasses and we're creating more CO2 through other gases, what are we going to do? This is what climate change is about. Whether you want to call it climate change, global warming, global cooling, it is climate shifting. And as climate shifts, those places that previously were warm will be getting cooler. Those places that were cooler will be getting warmer. So there's upsides and downsides to climate shifting. Uh, in some ways, it's going to be warmer, so people will not be freezing to death. Uh, in some places, there will be more rain, so that will be helpful, especially in places that were typically very dry. They may have more rain, so it will be easier for people to have water. 
um, that will change the mortality of people. People will be living longer. So think about that for a second. Now, uh, instead of 7 billion people on planet Earth, and we start taking care of um, the people who are now going to be living as a result of the climate getting warmer, uh, that's a big deal. That immediately puts another half billion, two billion, or whatever people in the current system. It's not that far down the road when you start thinking 8 billion people next year. Uh, it was last November that we turned from 6 billion to 7, pe- 7 billion people. That's a big number. That's a hard number to wrap your, your head around. It doesn't happen overnight. We need to break that down in terms that we can understand what's happening on a daily basis. So as our health care improves, and we uh, we benefit from tremendous Healthcare here in the United States and in the Western world. But as healthcare improves in the developing world or the emerging worlds and the emerging economies, that's going to put pressure on the systems that we didn't have before. So we need to think about that. Where are these people going to go? What are they going to use? How are they going to live? So we've got more pressure on our systems and our ecosystems and more pressure on our habitats. We've got more people surviving. That means an increased, um, uh, or excuse me, a decreased mortality rate. Mortality rate means how often are people dying due to disease, poverty, uh, or in, in, in childbirth. So in Africa, typically the uh, health care is not as accessible. It's not as available. So they have more children. Uh, so that they can take care of their families, livestock, and homes. It's not about uh, having a lot of wives for the fun of it. It's about creating a a community of people that can survive in the uh, habitat and with the resources that they've got and within a harsh ecosystem. So if we focus on uh, health, education, and water, as opposed to simply focusing on CO2. CO2 is a big thing. We've got our Kyoto Protocol going on, which, of course, the United States did not participate in. But there might be some reasons for that. There's a good book uh, that you could read, a small book by Bjorn Lomborg. He wrote The Skeptical Environmentalist, which is an excellent book on statistics and how people uh, organizations and uh, governments use statistics to um, sort of tweak around to get their message. It's excellent reading. But the book I'm referring to right now is a little book called Cool It. He wrote the short one, and then there's a longer version coming coming out, which is talking about maybe we shouldn't put all our eggs in the CO2 basket because uh, if we focus, no matter what we focus on now, if we change CO2 now, we're really not reduced. And by changing it, I mean reduce our CO2 emissions now. We're really not going to feel the effects of that for 20 to 25 years. What's that going to do for us tomorrow? What can we do today that's going to affect us tomorrow? Not just me and you, but the village in Africa uh, and the the person out there uh, walking their camel across the desert. What's that going to do? Uh, So if we focus on disease and we focus on water and we focus on education, that will solve some issues that we're facing today. And yes, it is an uphill challenge, and it is a difficult issue to, to think about, but education is key. So, And uh, if we can educate the people that are currently in our system, then that brings up choices, that brings up options, it brings up information that 
people not here in the Western world can use to make a difference in their life today, which will have eventually an effect on us. Let's think that, let, let's go back to the 2009 drought in Africa. Okay, so the Mau Mau forest, the Mau forest, excuse me, has been deforested. Uh, it stopped the rains from coming. The rains were late anyway due to climate shifting. So now you have a huge population of people and wildlife that doesn't have water. The Mau forest waters feed the Mara ecosystem, the Maasai Mara. I'm sure many of you have heard about that. It's a beautiful spot in Kenya. And the Mara is a part of a greater ecosystem. And those waters run all the way from the Mount Kenya and the Aberdares down into the Maro ecosystem and down into the Serengeti ecosystem and eventually feed the headwaters of the Nile and Lake Victoria. So that's three different countries, Kenya, Tanzania, and uh, Rwanda. So let's say there's another big drought. What happens? People are going to move. People are going to migrate. Not just wildlife is going to migrate, but people are going to migrate where they can survive, where they can grow things, where agriculture will take over and they can uh, provide for their families. Wildlife is going to migrate because the prey species will need to find food and grasses. Now you've got um, a lot of people and a lot of wildlife all coming into the same area uh, looking for the same resources. So you've got high competition between people and wildlife. And, of course, the predators and the carnivores are going to follow the prey species, and you're going to have even more conflict between the predators and the livestock and human communities. So that brings up more mitigation aspects. How are we going to solve that problem and protect people, provide security for people while also providing security for the wildlife so that it can reproduce, survive, and do its thing? So if drought continues in a place like Kenya, then you've got um, people migrating elsewhere. They're going to migrate into Tanzania or emigrate. I guess it's people emigrate and wildlife migrates. But in the end, it's, it's the same in that you've got masses of uh, people and or wildlife biomass shifting on our planet. And if there's no place for them to go, where the, what's going to happen? They're going to start emigrating elsewhere, into Europe, into the U.S. Uh, and that will become an issue for us to deal with as suddenly our population increases and starts to boom and explode, let alone considering the birth and death rate of our own inhabitants. Um, and I don't mean by closing borders or anything like that. I'm just talking about shifting populations uh, due to climate shifting, and it will make a difference. So it's something to think about. Um, and I don't want to depress you that in the morning when you turn on your tap and uh, you run that toothbrush, but it is something to think about. What can you do and how can you make a difference and change and reorient your lifestyle? Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. 
Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Hi there. We're back again, and we were talking about water. Um, water is the one critical issue that involves the entire planet. Without water, there's no life. Uh, literally, there's, we can't function without water. We need water. Even if we decided to live in a vacuum in outer space, we would still need to have water. Our bodies are 75% water. Our planet is 75% water. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. But think about it. So as we go and, um, let's say, carelessly or whimsically use our water resources. Think about those places that don't have water. Uh, when I'm on safari in Africa, I spent uh, six days in the central Kalahari uh, game reserve, which is a, a, just the northern area, is about the size of Denmark, and it's in the nor- uh, central area of Botswana. And we had to carry everything we needed with us, all our water, uh, all our food, all our resources. And when you enter the gate there, they give you a little flyer that says you are on your own. There is no cell service. There is no electricity. There is no water. And uh, there is wildlife. There are things out there that can eat you, uh, which is what we talked about last week. Don't get eaten. And uh, you have to be on your toes. Keep your st- stupidity factor in check. And um, be aware so that you can come out of the CKGR, that Central Kalahari Game Reserve, alive. So a lot of people think, okay, I'm going to go on safari, so it's a whole different world and I should be prepared. 
what I'm trying to help you understand is that we need to be that prepared here. When we get up in the morning, and I'm not talking about, okay, wake up depressed and upset of, of the entire global issue sitting on your personal shoulders because we can't change it as an individual. Uh, we do need to, as individuals, group together, start talking to each other, start working with each other, talk to our neighbors, talk to our community, gather together in our neighborhoods and see what you can do to reorient how you live your life. Change, um, okay, let's not use the word change, reorient, be a little gentler on not only your lifestyle but our planet's surface uh, we have only one Earth. If we don't care, who will? So our Earth is our responsibility. It's in our hands. It's not up to the governments. It's not up to the politicians. It's up to us how we decide to live on this Earth, how delicately we choose to watch, walk or how um, uh, strongly we choose to disrupt our systems. There is room for us on this planet. There are resources for us and for the wildlife and for the people way far away in Africa who live a little more gently on the earth simply because that's the way they have to live. They don't have the geography or the development systems to live the way we do in our urban areas. But the results of our use or misuse of our resources here in the West will make a difference of the resources that end up in that village in Africa. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. 
Hi there. This is Ellie Weiss with the Wild Eyes Foundation. We'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 866-472-5788, or you can email me at uh, wildeyes at wildeyes.org. I'd love to hear uh, about some of the issues you face, um, uh, not only in challenges, but some of the things that you're doing in your area or your neighborhood or your personal life to make a difference on uh, your footprint and our 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 planet, um, we were talking about resource use, and that the resources we use in the developed world, uh, the more resources we use in the developed world, does have a kickback effect on the resources that are available in the less developed or emerging world. And uh, I'm not necessarily talking about China or Japan or Papua New Guinea here. I am focused on Africa and uh, what we can do here that will make a difference in Africa because what happens in Africa will make a difference eventually to how we live here, whether it's through climate shifting and uh, migrating and emigrating people uh, because of resource wars or loss of resources or lack of resources. We all need water, we all need food, and we all need security. So as we use up our resources or do not conserve our resources or use them wisely and gently, then we are removing the planet's very ability to provide for us and our very survival. So when we use our resources and we go to the big box store, or we turn on our tap in the morning, we should be a little more um, aware of how we are using the resources because it does affect other people. Um, it does create poverty, loss, loss of resources, uh, loss of food security, loss of habitat creates severe poverty. Um, it's also uh, created through poor management of uh, land resources and poor governance. Uh, whether that be corruption or dictatorship, um, not all dictatorships are bad. Sometimes we can uh, benefit from a benevolent dictator who is trying to pull things together. A good example of that would be Rwanda these days after the uh, genocide uh, from the Hutu and the Tutsi war. Uh, we've got President Kagame who is making a huge difference. He's pulling Rwanda together as Rwandans as opposed to tribals, uh, Hutu and Tutsis. So rather than being I'm a Californian or I'm an American or I'm a Russian or I'm a Bolshevik or whatever language you speak, we need to pull together as a global community. We can all act locally but we can think globally in terms of how what we do as an individual, as a community, as a neighborhood, a state, a nation, affects the other nations that are our neighbors. As I had said before, the one thing we all have in common, the one aspect uh, we all share as an individual or as an animal or any living being, we share this earth. We have only one earth. So each of us has a responsibility uh, to take ownership of our problems and to take ownership of the solutions and make a difference. I don't care how you do it. I just think we all need to be doing it. Um, personally, I, I do my work in Africa, and I make a difference through targeted funding on uh, specific projects across sub-Saharan Africa. We provide ways to uh, build up income generation for people who have uh, few resources and are living in poverty. And that goes anywhere from building wells to providing, let's say, basket weaving classes 
um, to be able to sell this to people who are going on safari and uh, enjoying the luxury of being able to see this uh, incredible landscape that is Africa, the wildlife that lives only in Africa, and uh, enjoy it. But as we're doing that, we should also remember that the people who live with this wildlife that have to live with elephants coming in their garden and have to live with lions taking their livestock, that's a problem. That's a challenge. And we can make a difference. We can provide funding towards projects to help people mitigate these conflicts. We can provide funding to help build greenhouses so that they have food security. And uh, all the same things that we need, the same things that we want, the same issues we face every day. Uh, the rural populations, whether it be in Mexico or Africa, have to face the same issues, but they don't necessarily have the same wherewithal to do so. And that's where we can come in. Um, individuals here in the West, those of us who have a disposable income, income or a life of luxury and do want to go on safari, um, we can make a difference by participating uh, and choosing how we float through and walk on the surface of our earth. Um, so as I said, the title of this uh, show is It's Not Always an Uphill Challenge to Conserve. Conservation is a daily exercise. It's a daily routine. It needs to become a part of our daily landscape that when we're doing our daily routine and our daily chores and we're working, we think about conservation. It's not the ability to conserve is no longer a luxury. We have, we've, we're reaching tipping points all across the planet. Some of, uh, some of our inhabitants are feeling it more than we are. I'm going to say a polar bear feels the uh, shift of climate change much more than I do outside of Aspen, Colorado. I'm personally enjoying a gorgeous Indian summer day, but at the same time, it's because the climate has shifted. What is that going to mean for us? So we need to start thinking about these things and what uh, the ramification and consequences are, the ripple effects as it floats around the planet and what we can do every day. So think about using a little less water or using it wisely. Um, how green does your grass have to be? Uh, how many... Um, Waterfalls do we really need in Las Vegas? Uh, water is a limited resource. We need our forests to keep our water going. Uh, we need our oceans. So we can think about this on a daily basis and figure out what you can do individually and together to make a difference. Uh, not only in your community and your neighborhood, um, but, you know, get together, get involved, see what uh, is going on in the politics and the land use reform in your area. Understand uh, what the recreation areas are. Understand the wildlife laws and uh, community laws for your green spaces. Pay attention and you may think, oh, I'm just one person. What I do won't make a difference, but it does. And uh, we can make a difference by being positive in our actions as opposed to putting the burden of our inaction on our neighbors. We can work together. So let's all get together and be positive and act toward uh, conserving our resources and making a difference in how we want to move forward, uh, not only today, but tomorrow. The difference we can make in our lives today, our children's lives, and our children's children's lives. When I look at it that way, I think of um, lions and the decline 
of lions over the past 25 years. We are down to about 20,000 lions across their former free range in Africa. What would it be for your child or your grandchild to never see a lion? Think about that. Or the only place to see a lion would be the zoo. So there are organizations such as Wild Eyes Foundation that is doing work to help mitigate this issue and bring back and stabilize lion numbers. Okay, that's very far away from us. Um, you may not think it has anything to do, but uh, tourism is the bottom line of uh, e- uh, a huge aspect of economy across Africa where this wildlife exists. The only place it exists outside of a zoo or a captive situation elsewhere. So if tourism drops because there's no lions or there's no elephants, what will that do to the economy of an African nation? It will drop. You're going to have mass people moving. You're going to have loss of wildlife. You're going to have a change in the ecosystem. You're going to have uh, functions differing, uh, lack of water, uh, deforestation, desertification, uh, increased poverty, increased disease that will affect us. It's going to come full circle. So we need to think about what we can do, and there are things we can do. You can certainly contribute to uh, Wild Eyes Foundation. You can take a look at our website, www.wildeyes.org, and check out some of the projects that we're doing. We work across a variety of uh, issues. We focus on wildlife security, sustainable community development, and education. Last week we talked about that a little bit. Education is providing the access and the information and the wherewithal to have choices and options to make better decisions or proper decisions in terms of resource management, livestock management, uh, community health, school education, books, materials, desks, a place to study, solar light, you name it, everything that makes education happen. Sustainable community development is about providing ways to help communities better manage their resources um, to face the inherent challenges uh, they're focused on, whether it be livestock uh, in wildlife conflict mitigation or elephant uh, eating their garden that they just spent the last year trying to grow and now have no resources. So these are these are big issues. And then wildlife security is basically focused on providing safety and security for wildlife so that the wildlife can reproduce and uh, sustain itself in viable numbers. So it, when it comes down to it, everybody on earth needs um, five basic things, financial security, food security, safety, social security, access to education and information, and the ability to locally manage resources through both bottom-up and top-down collaboration. So that includes the neighborhood, the village, uh, to the um, uh, municipal level, to the state level, to the national level, to the federal level, to the continental level, to the global level. We can all work together. Um, so what I would say is, like me, find your passion. Find the thing that um, makes you tick, that you start thinking about first thing in the morning. And rather than let it depress you, find a way to get involved and do something about it. There are so many resources out there today, so much technology. We are a click away from talking to anyone, uh, whether it be through our cellular internet um, uh 
World Wide Web technology, picking up the phone or travel. We can get involved. We can meet our neighbors, whether it's across the street or across the planet or across the ocean. Get involved. Find something that you want to do. Um, that's what I did. I, I wanted to make a difference, so I chose wildlife because that's where my passion is, and I chose African wildlife because it's the only place it exists. We don't have lions here in North America anymore. We don't have elephants here. We don't have cheetahs. These animals are incredible. They are critical to the functioning of the ecosystems and the economy uh, across sub-Saharan Africa. And I would like to see them survive not only um, aesthetically because they're beautiful and we have a place for them uh, and they have the right to exist just as we do, but um, so that we can enjoy them for future generations. And the loss of these animals will have a huge impact on the economy and the infrastructure of the people who live with them across sub-Saharan Africa. No wild, no life. You can go to our website at www.wildeyes.org. We have a great little video there called The Wild Effect. You go to our news and blog and check out our little 90-second video that uh, shows how it all connects. Uh, without wildlife, uh, our ecosystems crumble, our biodiversity crumbles, our communities can go hungry. Uh, we, we lose a part of our human psyche and need to under, the need to be in wild, wildness. Not necessarily pristine, untouched habitations, but wildness, a place where we can get away from the urban hustle and bustle and let our minds go. We're so, um, constantly connected to all our electronics. Take a break. Step away from the cell phone. Step, unplug your ears. Step away from the TV. Walk outside. Let your feet touch the grass. Go hug a tree. Go stand by a tree. Look up to the sky. Um, go stand by a lake and just watch the world and see what it is that grabs you and what you want to do and think about the world and our wild world and what you can do to make it a better place for everybody. We all can participate. Uh, we all have a responsibility to participate and keep our wild world going and uh, join in with our neighbors, our nations, and our global uh, community to make a difference. So pick your passion find where it is that you can make a difference uh, you can contact me via email at wildeyes at wildeyes.org I'd love to hear from you um, visit our website see what we're doing pick a project or pick any organization out there whether it's the Humane Society or um, a missionary mission uh, or a school that you want to help the more information and access that we put together that creates a global community of people working together as opposed to people isolated from nature and living in their own virtual world. We have to get real. Let's talk with each other. Let's get together. Let's be a community and protect our wild world. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. So, um, what, what's on your mind? What, what are the, some of the, um, experiences you've had out there? Is there a bear in your yard? Is there a coyote walking down your street? Uh, in those upcoming shows, we're going to get into some of the ways that you can live with wildlife and mitigate the, uh, possible, possible 
dangers of living with wildlife and uh, minimize your impact on our wild world and find ways to enjoy and recreate in our wild spaces, whether it be uh, at your hometown in the open spaces or the rest of the planet. So have a great week and think about your wild world, and I'll see you next week. And uh, in the meantime, have a great day. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 